Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with a special guest. His name is Dr. Venkat. He is the Medical Director of Encompass Family Practice in Rhode Island, New York. He is a board-certified physician with over 18 years of experience providing exceptional care to his patients in primary care. He firmly believes that primary care physicians play a pivotal role in coordinating care for their patients and are the backbone of a successful and cost-effective healthcare system. His passion and commitment and quality of care provided to his patients has earned him several awards in teaching and in patient care, and has made him one of the top providers in the U.S. So if you work in private practice, you really do not want to miss this episode. You truly are the backbone of healthcare And we need you now more than ever in managing everything going on in this global pandemic as well. So grab your drink of choice, join us, and let's chat. Hi, Dr. Venkat. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the time you're taking. I know you don't have too much of it. (laughs) So I appreciate you being here today. How are you? It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be able to talk about this very important topic in healthcare. And I'm glad that you're speaking out about this because I think the more we talk about it, the more we can normalize it and people won't feel so intimidated by it, maybe lessen the stigma around it. I completely agree. Thank you for being here. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself, Dr. Benkat? Yes. So I'm a family physician with a fellowship training in geriatric medicine. I've been practicing um, medicine for the past 16 years. I've worked in many different capacities. I've been in academia. I've served as an assistant professor at the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Massachusetts. I have also worked in a 
community health center setting and also in a large group practice setting as well. And now have my own private practice in Rhode Island, where I'm a busy full-time primary care doctor. So you're a physician there as well as overseeing the processes and the framework of the practice too? Yes, that's right. I'm involved with making policies at the practice level and overseeing the processes on a day-to-day basis. Wow. So you've got a lot on your plate. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly Um, do. Yeah. (laughs) I can imagine. So what inspired you to get into medicine? So there are several things that inspired me to become a doctor. I've always wanted to be of service to others in a meaningful way and to make a positive impact in their lives. The idea of being part of a profession focused on serving others, regardless of their backgrounds and circumstances, focused on facilitating people to lead healthier and therefore happier lives is what truly appealed to me the most about becoming a doctor. I love being a family physician. I like the variety in family medicine. I like the biopsychosocial and holistic approach to patient care. I enjoy taking care of patients of pretty much all ages from newborns to the elderly. In addition to diagnosing and treating acute illnesses, at the practice, we provide preventative care, including routine checkups, health risk assessments, immunizations, screening tests. We also provide personalized counseling on maintaining a healthy lifestyle. We manage chronic diseases, often coordinating care with other subspecialists. We help our patients, or at least try to help our patients effectively navigate a very complex healthcare system. Powerful. So I really think like primary care in private practice is so critical when it comes to, especially right now in a global pandemic, right? When it comes to patient empowerment and self-management and education around that. So I think primary care has such a big role to play right now, especially with everything going on. And I can't imagine it being easy in a way, because you probably have a huge caseload of patients. Absolutely. I mean, ever since the COVID pandemic started, we've all had to step up to the plate and be available to our patients all the more. And we have a telemedicine system in place. We are available to our patients. They have more access, even if they're not able to come in in person. If it's a non-urgent issue, we are able to problem solve, at least for the most part, using telemedicine visits. But there are times when obviously they need to be seen in the office and we have a good triaging system in place to make sure patients have access to care, either telemedicine or office visits. That's great. So you're there as fully as possible. And that's what it's about. They need to know that you're there, I would think, more than anything, if they need anything from you to just reach out. Yeah. So would you say that looking back when you wanted to get into the profession, of medicine. And it's such a noble profession, right? Just service-led. Would you say that what you imagined it would be is what it is today? Jennifer, honestly, primary care practice has gone through a lot of changes over the years. And I never really expected to see all these changes during medical school or during residency. There have been so many changes over the decades from changes to systems-based practice, to insurance regulations, payment reform, EMR systems, expectations to include more and more details for charting for clinical encounters, prior authorizations for tests and procedures, and the ever-changing ICD codes. I've had to learn and adapt to a lot of these changes along the way, but they have not deterred me from doing what I truly love doing, which is taking care of patients. That's wonderful. 
And I mean, one of the things they say that helps to prevent or manage burnout is compassion. And it seems to me like you have a strong sense of that. But have you at any point in your career experienced burnout or have ebbed and flowed through that with all of these changes? Yeah, I must admit, I've gone through varying levels of emotional exhaustion and depersonalization during my career. Practicing medicine all these years has made me better recognize these symptoms, identify what causes those symptoms and work on addressing them. I guess over time, my resiliency has improved and I've become better at recognizing these symptoms and problem solving as much as I can. That's wonderful. And I think we're fortunate at the same time as providers to have that insight and that knowledge. Sometimes it's difficult when you're on the emotional end of it, like you said, feeling emotionally exhausted at times. Speaking specifically to primary care in general, can you give me some insight right now as to why you think burnout is increasing? I know you touched on all of the changes that are happening. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, clearly you're here for a reason to raise this awareness now mm-hmm. more than ever. So could you touch on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. There are several factors that increase risk for burnout among primary care providers. The changes and the practice of medicine over the decades have resulted in significant focus on high levels of physician productivity, a fragmented medical care, organizational oversight by large healthcare organizations, insurance restrictions, and decreased visit times for patient encounters. Instead of utilizing evidence-based guidelines and engaging in the art of medicine, family physicians often find themselves dragged to perform duties, like clerical duties, that do not require the level of training, leading to decreased satisfaction and burnout. I want to discuss a few things about EMR systems and patient portals specifically. That would be great. Yeah, because those are two really important factors. EMR systems play a very important role when it comes to physician burnout. A significant percentage of patients are generally not satisfied with EMR systems, either because they're cumbersome or they have a lot of templates and they're not very user-friendly. Physicians who use EMRs spend more time on clerical tasks and are felt to be at higher risk for burnout in general. There's evidence behind it. You know, people have looked into this. And primary care physicians, on an average, they spend four to six hours interacting with an EMR system during a typical workday and an additional hour and a half in the evenings charting clinical encounters. Even when in an exam room with a patient, physicians typically spend 25 to 30 percent of their time interacting with an EMR rather than with the patient. And more after hours time spent working in EMR systems has been associated with lower satisfaction and higher rates of burnout, especially among primary care physicians. Patient portals have become very popular. Patients like portals because of the convenience and increased access to their providers. Several pediatricians and family practitioners consider messaging useful in building relationships with patients and their families. However, just the capability to send messages in patient portals has lowered the bar for patients to contact physicians with their concerns. This is especially true in pediatric and family medicine practices. Parents no longer feel the need to come in for an office visit or call and speak with a nurse to seek a doctor's advice. There's really nothing to get in the way of a parent's concern, and the expectation is that the physician should be available at all times. Rather than answering questions during office visits, 
Patients also expect physicians to provide information outside of scheduled visits through these messaging systems. And in this era of social media, patients expect greater and immediate responsiveness from their primary care physicians. The time to respond to those messages can drag into off-hours work, which is already a problem for doctors trying to keep up with EMRs and battling burnout. Wow. You said a lot there that I'm trying to process right now. Because, I mean, I work in hospitals, so we just implemented EMRs in hospital a few months ago, and I definitely am spending a lot more time charting Uh compared to direct patient care. So what is the, I mean, I don't want to take you off topic too much, but with this happening, and I know you've built resilience around it and you're doing your best, but do you think that EMRs ultimately, and patient portals, I think you would say, do they ultimately benefit the patient? Like, I think all of this was developed to benefit the patient to minimize fragmentation, to improve communication and efficiencies. But sometimes I find that's not the case in my own personal experiences. Right. It's a double-edged sword, Jennifer. You know, on one hand, yes, there's increased access to providers. And the whole idea is to enable better care and more efficient care to our patients. And at the same time, I was reflecting early on, it does give more access to patients, which means they can send messages, which is convenient for them. It adds to what the doctors have to do in addition to what they're already doing. And it's a balancing act. And as long as there are clear systems in place to address these messages, I think it will be okay. But overall, the point is to provide better care to patients. Mm -hmm. And if practices have systems in place to triage them and be able to handle them more effectively, I think we'll have a good system in place. Yes, for sure. So how do you set that boundary for yourself and for your staff when it comes to meeting patients' needs, but also being able to replenish and restore your own energy? We have systems in place in the office at the organizational level. Our practice site is recognized by the National Committee for Quality Assurance, which is NCQ as a patient-centered medical home. We do pay close attention to patient panel sizes. There's a lot of emphasis on team-based care, mindfulness, and sharing of workload at our practice. Really proud of the dedicated team I work with. They really give their 100% every day. I discuss with my staff on a daily basis regarding patient scheduling and length of office visits. We frequently have staff huddles to discuss complex patients and workflow in the office. If a process does not work well, we brainstorm and try to problem solve. And I'm fortunate to have a good EMR system at our practice. And I use dictation system to chart my clinical encounters, which really saves a lot of time that I spend on the EMR. So I try to keep things efficient with workflow in the office. And my staff is on board with that, which is a huge win-win. That's great. And I love how you have a lot of touch points there with your staff, like constantly checking in. I think too, if one positive thing that I can think of as well is is that everyone's feeling the same in a way, everyone's feeling the same amount of stress and anguish. And Mm -hmm. I think it can either bring you together as a team or it can bring you apart in a way. So it's nice to see that you are able to bring everyone together to help keep everyone healthy as much as possible, staff and patients. What aspects of burnout are you seeing most right now, Dr. Venkat, when you think of all of the factors like exhaustion and depersonalization and efficacy? Yeah. So I want to briefly touch base regarding the three main components of physician burnout. Emotional exhaustion, as people know, it's a feeling of 
emotional and physical depletion. Depersonalization is having a distant feeling towards patients that may lead to cynicism or sarcasm, also described as compassion fatigue. And the third factor, a low sense of personal accomplishment, which is basically a lack of efficacy or doubting the quality or meaning of work done as a physician. So I'm actually seeing varying levels of all three components of burnout among my colleagues, and I've experienced it myself. Current physician burnout levels are at historically high levels, especially in family medicine. There was a survey in Medscape that was done in 2019, looking at 15,000 respondents, asking them about the three components of physician burnout. Of these family physicians, nearly 46% reported at least one symptom of burnout. So you can imagine really how big the problem is and how big the incidence and prevalence of the problem really is. Wow. And that was in 2019. I Correct. wonder what it would be today. <laughs> I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and with the pandemic that's ongoing, I would imagine the burnout levels being significantly higher across right. the globe. Right. And also, like you're seeing higher rates of it potentially leading to mental health disorders and issues. I mean, I know the suicide rates are higher now, too, among healthcare professionals during the pandemic. And people up and leaving the profession altogether at this point too. I feel like burnout's just getting progressively worse that way rather than just taking time away from practice. It's actually removing people from the profession right now, which is deeply concerning to me. So would you say that burnout affects all practitioners equally depending on their level of entry, whether they're more experienced, more entry level? I had heard a while back, I had read something a while back that a lot of young practitioners that are just starting to practice are actually not practicing full time because they're trying to mitigate their burnout risk. Yeah. So an article that was published in Journal of American Board of Family Medicine by Eden and colleagues in May of uh, 2020 studied burnout among family physicians by gender and age. The study looked at surveys from over 7,000 family physicians And based on the findings from the study, early career family physicians less than 40 years of age are more likely to report emotional exhaustion compared to mid to late career family physicians, age groups 40 to 49 and 50 to 59. Mm -hmm. Female family physicians were more likely to report emotional exhaustion, 43 to 45%, compared to male family physicians, 34 to 37%. So the difference really is about 8 to 10% right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the age group less than 40. Now, family physicians 60 years and older were less likely to report emotional exhaustion with the gender gap almost disappearing. So the problem is really significant among younger physicians that we are noticing, especially female primary care providers do report significant rates of burnout, much higher than male physicians. And they do make a significant percentage of the primary care workforce and policymakers and healthcare administrators need to consider strategies that target age and gender specific experiences to prevent burnout and ensure a healthy primary care workforce. Otherwise, the problem we face due to physician shortage over the years will only worsen. Yeah, that's so true. And I think a lot of the things that I've read on burnout management and prevention is not so specific. It's pretty generalized. And can you touch on why you think there is a difference? I mean, I have read as well that the longer you're in the profession for, the less burned out 
you tend to be or the less risk there is. But can you touch on why you think it's more prominent in females um, and the, the age as well? I guess it has to do with the responsibilities in general and compassion. I personally feel that female primary care providers, in addition to attending to clinical responsibilities in the office, they may have other responsibilities in their homes and they may have more things to multitask and juggle. You know, I don't mean to sound biased, but generally speaking, that might be the case. And that adds to the burden that they're already facing. And that leads to increased depersonalization or decreases resiliency and emotional exhaustion as well. I can imagine it's just all compounding for sure. I mean, we can't negate the personal stressors that we all go through as well. Absolutely. You know, with families, to take care of with children, with uh, friends, interpersonal relationships, there are so many things happening other than practicing medicine. So all of those factors play a huge role as well. With improved access, patients are, like I was alluding to early on, like they're sending messages in EMR systems. They expect physicians to be available at all times. And that in turn decreases personal time with family and friends. And that that can significantly increase risk for emotional exhaustion. Can I just ask you about the portals a bit? Because it's not as common in my area right now, but it's becoming more so. So when a patient does send a message out, do you get a notification? Like, are you getting like a ding or like a prompt to your cell phone or something along those lines to let you know that someone Mm -hmm. is trying to reach out? Okay. Yep. So it really depends on the EMR system that someone uses. A lot of the EMR systems have built in what we call inboxes or in-baskets. And there's this folder in the in-basket for patient messages that come from the portals. Basically, a portal has an email-like system where patients can log in and put the name of the provider and send a message. It'll come to the in-basket of the provider as an email message. There's a separate folder dedicated for that. And it's like an ongoing process. When physicians have their EMRs open and they've logged in, they keep seeing these messages populate in their in-basket. Wow. Yeah. I can uh, and, yeah. And some EMR systems have options to have those messages relate to telephones or other systems as well. But it's mostly when physicians log in, there's an in-basket and they see messages from the patients in a folder. Wow. So then is this a direct link just between you and your patient or are there other providers in the portal? Like, let's say you were also communicating with a specialist as well. Like, does it allow the patient to access both of you in a way so as to collaborate? Does it do that as well? Or is it just more one patient to one provider? Yes. In fact, a lot of the newer systems have the capability for patients to send messages, not only to their primary care physicians, but also to their specialists. But for the most part, it comes to the PCP because the PCP is in the center of everything, coordinating care for their patients. And sometimes they have an option of CCing the messages too to other providers. So it's it's a mix. It really depends on which system someone's using. Right. So I can see the benefit, but I can also see the overwhelm with it. So how do you personally, having had experienced burnout yourself at, at one point, how do you now personally manage it? And prevent it. Yeah. So I've had to learn over the years. It's not been easy. In general, I like to travel. I like to spend time with my family when I'm not working. 
my family is really my rock. You know, I enjoy spending time with my eight-year-old daughter who keeps everything in perspective for me. I like to golf and it's nice outside. I have this very spiritual outlook and it really helps me put things in perspective. I try not to be overly rigid and hard on myself. I find exercise very useful. I do find progressive muscular relaxation, diaphragmatic breathing, and self-reflection very useful. So I do take the time to do all of those. In fact, I use an app on my smartphone to practice the above techniques. And I have also realized that delegating non-clinical tasks to appropriate staff and effectively communicating with my care team can be very helpful during a busy office day to prevent burnout. Great. Do you mind sharing what your app is? So it is Calm. I use Calm and it has a lot of practical and useful techniques that providers can quickly use. It's amazing how just practicing progressive muscular relaxation for three to four minutes can make a huge difference in energy levels. I've also noticed that self-reflection and diaphragmatic breathing techniques are also very effective. It kind of takes me to a different world just for two or three minutes and just find a quiet place, close my eyes and practice progressive muscular relaxation. It really helps me relax myself and put things in perspective. Can you tell me more about progressive muscle relaxation? Is it more like a meditation in a way? Yes. So it is basically a combination of guided meditation, breathing, and focusing on different muscle groups in the body and trying to relax each and every muscle group in the body, say from head to toes. So you gradually focus on one part of the body. At the same time, you're focusing on your breathing as well. So you move from one part of the body to another part of the body and imagine that all of your muscles are slowly relaxing. And it's amazing like how effectively it works. Just doing it for about three to four minutes is really powerful. And I sometimes do it during my lunch break. I do it in between patients. If I have an open slot, I try to do that. I feel that it's very practical, very useful. You don't have to spend half an hour meditating or anything like that. It's just a quick and practical way of doing it. Yeah. And I think that's what we need as healthcare providers is we need something that's efficient and effective. Mm -hmm. And something that I think you could do throughout the day is great. And in between patients, if possible, because again, I think the stress is just always there, right? So whenever you can just break that up into yourself, so powerful. So you talked a little bit about what you do personally. I also think that burnout management also needs to be organizational. I think it needs to be systemic. I think it needs to be a combination of all of those things. So you as well, owning your practice and managing it at an organizational level, how have you integrated burnout management in your practice for your staff as well? Right. So including physician well-being and satisfaction as a quality metric can really help shed light on burnout levels among physicians. Linzer and colleagues did research in Minneapolis, and they found that positive effects if supervisors and administrative allocate time for practicing clinicians to incorporate teamwork, mindfulness, sharing of workload through PCMH models, decreased stress from EMR and communication coaching for challenging situations all can have a profound impact, decreasing burnout rates at the organizational levels, adding charting slots throughout the day for primary care doctors, increasing the length of visits to allow for charting time, 
but also decrease burnout associated with EMR systems, promoting physician control of the work environment in general, and maintaining manageable patient sizes and enhancing staffing ratios are other effective strategies to prevent burnout. Like I was reflecting early on, we have a PCMH practice. We have systems in place to ensure safe patient care. We pay close attention to our patient panel size. And there's a lot of emphasis on team-based care, mindfulness. Now we do have staff huddles. So we sit and chat about workflow in the office. We talk about complex patients and how to effectively problem solve their issues. And if a process really or a workflow is not really working well at our office, we really try to brainstorm and try to problem solve. And thank God, you know, we do have a good EMR system in place. And my staff, either they can just come to my office, talk to me, I'm available to them, or they send me messages in the EMR if need be, if it's non-urgent. So I'm available to them and they're just a phone call away or they just come to my office and talk. So we try to effectively communicate across all staff members. So that really makes a huge difference in decreasing burnout. Great. I love how it's kind of very wholesome. And when you mentioned the quality metric, like is it so to touch base with the team, is there something that they fill out? Do they do like a survey now and then to assess how they're feeling? Or is it more just an open door policy or visible? They just feel comfortable coming to you as needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's actually a combination. There are formal and informal ways of doing it. Big healthcare organizations are actually having their providers fill surveys periodically to assess the burnout rate, which we were talking about the three main components. They're asked in surveys, and that's one way of determining the level of burnout. And of course, there are other informal ways of assessing burnout rates as well, like having informal meetings with supervisors and healthcare administrators can be pretty powerful too. It doesn't take much time, but it's very important to do and it's very, very useful. It has to be done periodically. Otherwise, we miss the opportunity to identify and problem solve. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is the thing. You just don't want to miss that, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it would be really hard to have a team member kind of fall through the cracks that way and you kind of missed it. I would think. So that's great that you're being so proactive. I think that's one of the biggest ways to prevent it for sure. So as we close, can you tell me, like, can you share any words of inspiration right now for the future of healthcare and for future practitioners and primary care providers? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for the work healthcare providers. I can relate to the many difficulties, frustrations, and challenges we all face. And the joys and satisfaction the work we do really brings. The past year has been particularly challenging for all of us as the COVID-19 pandemic has been raging across the globe. I want to recognize and thank all the selfless and courageous healthcare workers serving at the forefront of the fight against this insidious virus. The work you all do is truly inspirational, life-saving, and meaningful. Most of you have been working every day, knowing you're at risk of exposure and the possibility of exposing your families as well. Your dedication is truly inspirational to me, and it gives me a lot of energy and motivation to continue practicing medicine. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, Dr. Venkat, for leading. Thank you for sharing everything you're doing. I know I've learned a lot today, actually, so I really appreciate that. 
And just thank My you. Pleasure. For, yeah, just thank you for just being there with us. And where could people connect with you if they wanted to just network with you or follow you? Sure. EncompassFamilyMedicine.com. So that's our website. The office number is 401-728-9208. So they can reach out to the providers and staff on EncompassFamilyMedicine.com. So please feel free to network. I'd love to hear from other people as well that are going through this and share their insights because we all can learn from each other and develop better resiliency and be there in the healthcare workforce. Definitely. So I'm glad we're starting the conversation here and hopefully more and more people will feel comfortable stepping forward and doing the same. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.